Welcome to the bonfire. Exploring magic with two modern witches. I'm Corey. And I'm Detta. And welcome back. Episode 15. Wow. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> so we're old we were enough just... to have a quince. What? what? <laughs> we're old enough to have a quinceanera. Oh my gosh, we totally are. And that <laughs> is just so appropriate because when you are hearing this podcast, well, maybe not when you're hearing it, but when we drop this podcast on December 1st, it's my birthday. Ooh. So I'm very excited. We were just my little, my little Sagittarius. I know. Hello, I am, and I am such a Sag. Yeah, truly. I my really, mother really is am. also a Sagittarius. Is she really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel very. Yeah. I I feel honored that I share that with her. Two of the coolest people I know. Oh, you're way too sweet. <laughs> so yeah, I'm very. I'm very happy. I will be very happy on that day as well. It will be very yeah. good. Yeah. We were just talking about Dolly Parton just a because little bit. Like one does. <laughs> Jolene. I just, Jolene. I just Jolene, learned how to play that. Jolene. Oh, you're kidding. On the guitar, yeah. I want to hear you play that. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll have to do that. Okay. Later. <laughs> Later. Yeah. But, I learned how to play it, uh, and it's kind of slow, and it's kind of spooky, but mm-hmm. I learned how to play it. She's absolutely uh, wonderful. I think the slow, spooky versions of Jolene are, are my favorite. She's so good. Oh, she's I love so her. She's so good. And I love her because she recently said something about how, like, I'm paraphrasing badly, but she said something to the effect of, I don't ever want to hurt anybody or be mean. So if I find out something I was doing was hurting people or being mean, I'm going to stop and do something different. And I'm like, yes, Dolly. (laughs) She also is a really great example of, of living by example. She, there's a great podcast uh, called Dolly's America you should mm-hmm. listen to it. It's absolutely, I think it's only six episodes. Mm-hmm. The woman, she is. She's a saint. She's saint yeah. Dolly. I'm going to start making candles in her honor. Are, there are candles in her honor. <laughs> Have you seen them? No, but they're now, great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's wonderful. And I grew up with her music. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, I, I love everything about her. And she's she a great changed person. the game. She, she did. changed the game in a lot of ways. She made she, country popular. She did, and she also, she made it possible for gay people to like country music, openly, that is. I mean, because she was so accepting and loving and wonderful. Her and Reba, oh my oh, God. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Reba, then Reba came along. Reba's reaction to Reba impersonator drag queens, she met one and was so impressed that she was like, why don't you just come on tour with me for this concert? And he was like, okay. It was great. Anyway. That's amazing. Dolly Parton is an yeah. angel. An angel here on earth. And as you probably have heard by now, she was part of funding one of the vaccines that's out there right now that's being tested for hopefully our use. The one that doesn't require all the freezing. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm very excited. Yeah. I just absolutely love her. If it's not a triggery thing for you, please watch the Drunk History episode about I Will Always Love You, Dolly Parton. It is so good. And a lot of it's true, and a lot of it's drunk, but a lot of it's true. (laughs) And it's really, really good, and you should check it out. It's on YouTube. And if you didn't know, yes, I think she was the writer. She wrote. Oh, she wrote I Will That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. She wrote it for someone who was trying to take advantage of her money. Okay. So, and that's on the podcast. It's so It was Porter Wagner, right? Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, I will always love you, but we got to go our separate ways now. It's like, God, can you imagine getting broken up with by Dolly Parton? Fuck. I have things to do, and you're standing in my way, Hey-o. so I'm out of here. Out of here. Yeah, she's like, she's my rhinestone princess. Aww. Ride or die for Dolly. I love her so much. I love that. <sighs> she's a beautiful woman. Her, the Dolly Parton, Kenny Rogers Christmas album is my favorite Christmas album of because all time. Because it's amazing. Oh. It's a little uh, less secular than I would like, but it's really, <laughs> really good. Well, <laughs> she does come from that religious background. Her yeah. amazing grace is absolutely wonderful. Oh. I just love her. Okay. I just love her so much. Dolly Parton Fest. 
America's grandma. Anyway. Uh, the other the other thing I wanted to ask you about, how's Tybalt doing? Uh he's good. He's a monster. <laughs> How is everybody's pets doing? I'd How love to pets? hear. How are your pets with this pandemic? Yeah. Because I have I'm gonna Okay, I'm coming out of the closet here, everybody. I have five cats. I know, I know, gasp and appalled, and, and one dog. But One beautiful dog. They are so beautiful. I love them all. But my cats are free, and we have a large enough house for them to run around in. So, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> you would not want five cats where you live. No. But in my place, we have, you know, they, we've got an upstairs and a downstairs. And they are going freaking nuts away and picking on each other. They're irritable. And and they're picking fights with each other, which they don't do. These are not our cats that do this. And and I have I walked into the studio today where I do not let my cats. One of my cats was on my chair. She'd gotten into the studio and which okay, fine. So I went to pick her up to get her to move and she just laid into me. She was like, meow, 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 and she did not want to move. So how are your pets, people? How are your pets? Well, Tybalt has only ever known quarantine life at this house because we got him at the beginning of quarantine. And uh, he used to be an indoor-outdoor cat, which is not an option here, uh, partly because I care about the birds in the environment and partly because I don't want him to get toxoplasmosis and partly because, or like, I just don't want any of the bad outdoor things, fleas. I don't want any of that. But also, I live on a very busy road, and mm, uh, mm-hmm. people drive like psychopaths on it. It's like a freeway. It's like a freeway. It's like a tiny freeway. Anyway, Tybalt is... We're having to put a, put a lot of environmental deterrence on things because he's like, I'm going to tear this up. How about that? And I'm like, please don't. <laughs> uh but he's he's doing okay. He's I think he just needs more space, and so do I. Yeah. That's actually an excellent segue into the other thing I wanted to tell you about yeah. this week. A little therapy update. Oh, yeah. I start therapy on Tuesday. Hey, After this drops, I will already have gone, and I'll keep you all posted. But I start therapy on Tuesday uh, with the therapist that Magellan via Kaiser recommended to me. And so we'll see if it works out. And if it doesn't, I have now popped the cork so it's easier to pour. Yeah. And I will just try again. Uh, but I also, not unlike your cats, <laughs> am feeling really <laughs> irritable. And uh, before we started recording today, sweet, wonderful Detta listened to me cry and gripe for like 25 minutes. Anytime. <laughs> so I just... Good to be there for you. I like that. And I like it when you're there for me. I just... I. This week has been a whole thing. Like, I had a panic attack that was not triggered by anything, which is really unusual for me. Uh, usually there's a reason, or at least something that I can find out was the reason. This was no reason at all. Ah, um, uh, anxiety. Ah, uh, anxiety. Its own little world. Yeah. It's so great. And, like, I've just been on the verge of tears all the time, which I absolutely know is a total response to mental and emotional exhaustion. Mm-hmm. I recognize that. I recognize all of these things. But as anybody who also goes to therapy or also is fairly aware of their own mental health knows knowing a thing and being able to absorb and embody that thing are two different things so like i i am really excited because i don't i love myself but i don't really like myself right now and i would like someone to offer me some tools to craft myself back into the person i liked well, I like you just the hey, way thanks. you are. So Appreciate there. It. I need help. There's only so many things you can do with a box of crayons. Sometimes you need someone to introduce <laughs> new tools to you. You know what I mean? That is true. And we so all like, go through those circles. So what I find so wonderful about therapy or just about growth as human beings, if you don't have a therapist, is that we go through those circles and we circle back around and we go, wait a minute, didn't I deal with this already? And it's like, oh, yeah, but we're on the lower level of the circle of the same thing. So, yes, now find another way to like yourself and love yourself because you are so likable and lovable, Corey. Hey, I thanks. adore everything about you. So well, I, I'm just going to keep ran, telling you that until you find I that I ran out tool. of crayons. You, 
I, I ran out of crayons. I don't have any tools left that are working. I wonder and how many other people are feeling that right now. I mean, because I'm sure it's not just me. No. I, I... Which is also growth, because a long time ago, I would have been like, it's just me. It's not. Uh, it's a lot of people are running out of crayons right now. Yeah, and that's a great metaphor. Like, well, like, yeah, I need like paints or chalk or something else <laughs> to color these problems with. But uh, I think that I listen to a lot of mental health podcasts and a lot of podcasts where the presenters or co-hosts talk about mental health a lot and sort of the running issue I find myself hitting up against is uh, responses I had in the past Mm -hmm. are the only responses that I know and they no longer make sense for the situation. Right. So they helped me then. They're not helping me now and I need new responses, please. Right. And what's (laughs) so exciting is that you know to look for a new tool. Jewel just did, I talked about this with Corey before we started recording as well. If you listen to NPR, I think it's called Q. Yeah, J- Jewel just did a an oral story, an audio narrative of a, a brief overview of how she got to her first couple of albums. And because she just re-released her first album because it was the 25th anniversary of that release. Oh, wow. I feel old. I was just going to... I literally looked at my wife and went, I am so old and started crying. (laughs) Because I do... You should barely remember when that came out because I was in... You must have been in elementary school, right? When that came out? Yeah. You were young. So... But she talks about how she had to teach herself, she had to teach her brain new ways to deal with things. And I was just like, how did you know that you needed to do that? I mean, just kudos to you, wonderful human. So I just, and I just say kudos to you and kudos to you for talking about this, making it normal because it is everyone, folks, it is normal. Yeah. If you can, find somebody to talk to. And if you can't, There are a lot of really great free resources out there for exercises you can do and things you can work on. Uh, But sometimes you just run out of crayons. And I'm very excited. Uh, I'm I'm a little bummed because I met this therapist that I I did a call with and I was like, you're the one. You're the one I want to meet and do this with. You're the one that I want. But she wasn't in my network however she set the standard so now I know what I want which is nice because that's the hardest part of therapy I think for me has been like committing to finding someone and so now I know what I want it'll be easier for you to find someone there you go yeah I love it. so I'm trying to positive side of that one as much as I can (laughs) so I'll let you know how that goes cool keep us updated yeah would you like to head into the library for a history lesson, Corey? I would love nothing more in the entire world. <laughs> so as Corey is opening and getting ready for her history lesson, I just have to tell everybody we are talking about Not Magic, which is maybe my all-time favorite way to cast spells. And I am so excited for this episode. And Corey, when she found out it was my birthday and that we were dropping, she said, let's do not magic on that day. So <laughs> that's what we're doing. Thank you, Corey, for the birthday present. Well, you'll get another birthday present, no, but this is the other birthday no, present. this is the only birthday present I need. <laughs> Giving gifts is how I express my love language. Just, just <laughs> let it happen. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anywho. In the library. Here we yeah, go. Let's head to the library. Uh, so I had no idea what I was getting into researching knots. And that's not even to say anything about knots and magic. Just knots. Right? There's so much. Because I think we take them for granted. You tie your shoes. You tie... A package, you, I don't know, tie your hair up in a ribbon, whatever the heck. Mm -hmm. Holy toast. Mm. Okay. So my first thing is I would like to let you know what my sources are. 
Um, but I didn't write down a bunch of them because Detta sent them to me. So I'm sure that <laughs> Detta will post those things in our show notes. Absolutely. Um, but I did also get a lot of information from our benevolent overlord, Wikipedia. <laughs> Wiki! I Wiki. have to say, this one, they do a pretty damn good job. And their sources are uh, are where you can find a lot of opinions of other people from 1800s about what the witch's ladder and witch's knots are. So, And we'll, we'll get there yeah. for sure. Yeah, I, I'm not trying to get ahead. No, no. I just want to tell you, I think their sources, Wiki, good job on this one. They did a great job yeah. on this one. Yeah. So now the first, this, oh, goodness sakes, you guys. This, I clicked so many hyperlinks that took me to so many places. <laughs> I was up way too late because I just couldn't stop. It was very exciting stuff. So this information is pretty much all either from Wikipedia or the sources that Dedda is going to talk about or post later. Um, But this is mostly from Wikipedia because they had so much to say. It was very exciting. My very first thing I would like to say, though, (laughs) is the definition of what a knot is. Oh, please. Because I read this definition and I went, same All right, here it is. A knot is an intentional complication in cordage, which may be practical or decorative or both. And I was like, huh, an intentional complication. (laughs) Same. (laughs) There was something really beautiful about that combination of words that just got me really jazzed. Yeah, because it's so cool. Because I've never thought of, probably like many of you, I've never thought of, what is the definition of a knot? Huh? I don't don't I we all just sit around wondering, what is the definition? <laughs> Yo no soy marinero, you know? I am not a sailor. So uh, I just, I never really thought about it. And I've been around knots my whole life. I grew up on a farm. Mm-hmm. My dad rode bulls. My mom rode horses. My sister rode horses. Like, yeah. And in theater? I've been around knots. Oh, and theater? Yeah. Get me started on yeah. all the freaking it... knots you need to yeah. know for that. <sighs> They're really anyway. prevalent. Knots have been a big part of my life in a practical, practical way. I didn't know you grew up on a farm with horses and stuff. I was little, and the second I stopped being afraid of horses, we moved away. <laughs> oh, so, no. Okay. It's fine. Okay. Uh, but I, I also was the weird kid. Uh, my sister was really into rodeo stuff. She also rode equestrian. I didn't like dirt and I didn't like jeans. I didn't like denim because it was uncomfortable. And I didn't like, I was the freak of the fam. So now I love rodeo. I love rodeo. I love, I still don't like jeans because really? pants. I'm not trying yeah. to wear pants. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, unless they're pajim jams or they're like, I don't know, yoga pants. I'm not interested. Thank you very much. Yeah. I grew up in a rodeo family. That's really and also cool. a family of Navy. Ah, so lots of knots a lot of knots yeah. in my life uh, <laughs> and all that that implies <laughs> uh, so yes yes an <laughs> a, uh, intentional complication in cordage which may be practical or decorative or both and i think that's really important is mm-hmm. that they can be both like you can tie a knot for practical reasons and it can still be really beautiful yep uh crocheting anyone knitting weaving All of that. Macrame. Macrame, which I will definitely talk about later. So let's just let's just run through this book report real quick. We're just gonna start. Okay. I'm not gonna try to like outline this for you in any kind of way. Because I I just There's so much. There's so much. And I know that Detta is gonna have a lot of things to add. So I'm gonna get down to basics. I've been watching a lot of Binji with Babish lately, and he says that a lot. He's like, let's get down to basics. Uh, Not trying to copy your style, Babish. Sorry. But uh, let's talk about knots. So there is a type of knotting called Chinese knotting, which was a decorative handicraft that was popular from 920 to 1279 AD. 
Uh, and then I have, <laughs> I have a little note I made for myself that just says, there is so much more history to the, there's so much more to the history of oh, knots yeah. than I ever knew. <laughs> but there's a lot of artwork in Chinese history and Chinese artwork of these beautiful knots and like really complicated um, nets, tapestries, and just the most beautiful knot work you've ever seen. Please look it up. And it was like a handicraft, like a, like a craft that you would do, especially if you were a highborn person and you had lots of time on your hands, I guess, but it's really beautiful. Please check it out. Um, the next big knot of history that I wanted to talk about is the Gordian knot. Dead is making a face because she knows what that is. So there's a legend of a guy named Phrygian Gordium. I'm not Greek. That's my best stab at that. <laughs> That's what you're getting. But basically the Gordian knot is a metaphor. It's, it's a story, but it's used as a metaphor for a way to untie an impossibly tangled knot or to solve an impossibly tangled problem. And the way that you do that is you find the thing about the problem that renders its perceived constraints moot. So you like find a thing that you, you pull the one thread that makes the whole knot fall apart. If you ever hear somebody say, because they're snooty and want to make you think they're really smart, they might say something like, that's really cutting the Gordian knot. Um, because that's a metaphor for solving an insolvable problem. No shade, but a little shade. I've been surrounded by yeah. very pedantic folk my whole life. <laughs> and also referring, I think, a little bit to the way that Alexander the Great dealt with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was definitely related to Alexander the Great's yeah. story. Um, but he has a lot of press, and I wanted to talk yeah. about Gordium. Oh, talk so. about Gordium. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Don't. It's fine. Yeah, ignore it's Alexander the Great. Look, ignore away. Alexander. He's great. Everyone knows it. It's in his name. <laughs> um, but the history of knots is, I can't even begin. It's old. It's so old. It's I have really, one really other old. Page of notes here that is like. They've been used since time immemorial to denote binding, the passage of time, to enhance ceremony, to protect on journeys, to curse, to cure, and for the sheer meditative benefits of tying the knots. So knots, there's no way to say, it's like sigils. There's like no way to say when the first one was. Or like, there's no way to say what the first story was about. We don't know. It was a gajillion years ago. So knots have been around forever. And every culture has a way of using them for practical or decorative or both purposes. Um, but when we are talking about magic and knots, I'm going to go ahead and be a little vulnerable here. Okay. And share something with you that I didn't know. I didn't know what a witch's ladder was at all. Cool. That's And that is why we are here. So when I think about not magic, I think about macrame mm -hmm. or I think about like the crafts of knitting or crocheting, which I do a lot because they're very meditative and I like them a lot. But I didn't know anything about the witch's ladder at all. So this was all completely new to me. And I know that I will have more. So I'm going to give you the down and dirty quick insight into the witch's ladder. <sighs> a witch's ladder is made from knotted cord or hair that normally constitutes a spell. Charms are knotted or braided with specific magical intentions into the cords. The number of knots and the nature of charms varies depending on what you want from it. Now this is claimed to be over 4,000 years old, the idea of a witch's ladder. The modern witch's ladder often consists of a cord with a specific number of beads or knots. Uh, the cord can then be used for chanting or meditating where you like sort of run your fingers along the beads so that you don't have to count so that you can use all of your thoughts on your intention and none of your thoughts on having to count the number of times you say it, which I know is a problem sometimes when I'm doing like chanting mm -hmm. because I want to say something a specific number of times and then I lose count and then I'm like, if, and then I feel like it's ruined. So it happens. Not all spells are great and easy and clear. Sometimes you have to try a couple times. I have examples of the ways that I use not magic, mm -hmm. but since you've just been listening to me speak for a while, I would like to know, Detta, what you know 
about not magic? Well, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> not magic. I I discovered not magic really early on. I, I actually realized I've been doing not magic pretty much all my life. And I am not an a visual artist. I don't draw. But I went back after I discovered Not Magic and I discovered The Witch is Not, which is a controversial, I don't want to say it's controversial, but its origins are controversial. Like some scholars will say it was a The Witch is Not, which I'll post a picture of it on Instagram, was actually used to repel witches and witchcraft. And it has nothing to do with feminine divine. And other people will say, "Uh, no, you're full of BS. You can find The Witch is Not in a lot of Celtic, not artwork. And so that is ancient. Not work also goes back to being tied to witches back to the 400, I want to say 400 AD. It's somewhere around there. You can find writings talking about the Jewish faith. It's also in the Kabbal, but you can find independent writings that talk about magic and not magic that Jewish people participate in. And it was actually part of their religion. And other scholars would call it evil because of the time period. Sure. And I think one of the reasons that witches nowadays have this record is because it was written down in the cabal and Jewish teachings, and they kept a record. It was accepted and wonderful, and then someone got a hold of it and said it was evil and turned against magic. So you have something to add to that. I just, well, I have something to add to your uh, Celtic knots. Yeah, go, go. Uh, First of all, one of the resources you sent me Mm -hmm. was how to draw a Celtic knot. Blew my mind apart. Anyway, yeah, I have I drew one. Oh, that's so cool. Just for funsies. What I found when I went back to look at all my doodles, because I was a big doodler, even though I'm not. That is beautiful, Corey. She'll have to put that on Instagram. It's, I'll draw a better one. I'll draw well, a better one. Well, that one's pretty cool, though. So I, I went back and looked at all my doodles, and I had been drawing The Witch's Knot since I, I literally can go back to my journals from when I was seven years old. And I'm feeling... Yeah. I'm feeling very salty these days. Are you? And so what I think is so great about the Celtic knot mm-hmm. is that uh, I just think this is a fun little heck you to Christianity. <laughs> no shade. Christian witches are awesome. Yes, they are. But I think it's funny that back in Crusady times, <laughs> the Celtic cross is beautiful. It's covered in knot magic. Yeah, it is. It is and covered in knot magic. I think that's so funny. And I went, but they're like, you tried to knock out paganism. Psych, it's all over your cross. <laughs> well, and sometimes they did that consciously to try to get people yeah. onto their sides. And I know the Catholics did that quite a bit <laughs> to try to win over the pagans. And it's, I think mm-hmm. it's also one of the reasons. I don't know about any of you out there or you, Corey. But there's a lot of stuff about the Catholic ritual that I absolutely love. And I walk into their spaces and go... Can you just make this part of yeah. our world as well? Because you took a lot of it and adapted a lot of us to get, win us over. So let us I come. I get very triggered by churches, but cathedrals? Oh, I love them. Very different story. Be- very beautiful. Different story for me. So, so my, my, the Celtic background, there's... She's so excited, folks. <laughs> Her face. I'm she gonna, can't even contain I'm it. I'm going to have to cut some of this. I have like three pages of like, I want to make sure and tell everybody this and this. And on that note, let me go back to The Witch is Not for just a moment. So speaking of Christianity and all that. So The Witch is Not also makes a fish, the fish symbol that we see that represents Christianity. They actually are very open about the fact that they get it from that knot, which is why there's a lot of controversy about whose is it. Well, it can be both of ours, in my opinion. Anyway, where my not work started consciously was probably Celtic knots. Yes. The, I, so Corey just showed me her... Triskelion. Triskelion. I have a triquetra on my ankle. And yes, I knew about it before Charmed. I remember when somebody saw my tattoo and went, oh, you're a Charmed fan. I went, yeah, I am, but that is not why I have that. And I always go to... For that, I, I do go Mother, Maiden, Crone, but there are lots of other trios. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Mother, Maiden, Crone, Past, Future, Present, all that. So we went to Ireland 
And one of the things that we did, because I was so into not magic, I know, I've only been across the pond once, and we went to Ireland for a week of that. And we went to see the Book of Kells. Yeah, at Trinity University. And it was absolutely beautiful and amazing. And there's so much not work there. But in practicality and commonality, sailors bought ropes that were tied from witches for wind magic. I guess I'm kind of moving into how it's it. used. Get but this is is definitely history as well as how it's used. So way back then, sailors would buy knots from witches who were wind witches or elemental witches. And witches would put their spells for wind in a knot magic rope cord spell. So when the sailors needed the wind and didn't have any, they would undo a knot and it would release the power of the wind. And there are actual references made by sailors from that time period where they talk about how it works and which is why they ended up buying a lot of spells from witches during that time. So that's one of the big history pieces that I knew and loved. That's so cool. The witch's ladder that was discovered in Australia in the 1800s also fascinated me and sent me down a rabbit hole of research. The one that was found in 1887, which, yay, Wikipedia, folklore. If you guys don't know about Jester, if you are if you like to investigate the way that I like to investigate and go back deep in lore, J. You mean J-Store? It's J-S-T-O-R. J-Store. Yeah. I, I, I think we should rename it. They have a folklore magazine that references the Witch's Ladder from 1887, the one that was found in Australia. But it is definitely not the oldest one there. And if you look up pictures of, like, old or ancient Witch's Ladders, mm-hmm. you'll see, like, ropes with feathers tied up in them yep. or bells. That's or... the one in the 1800s as well. Yeah, it's really cool. So the Witch's Ladder has been used a lot for years and passed down from generation to generation and the public got to know about it in 1887. And then the other place where you can find a lot of history about not magic, and then I'll leave history alone and we can move into the practical applications, is Shakespeare. So much Shakespeare. My boy. You know what? I think the guy must have been a witch. You look back at his stuff, there's just no way this dude was not a witch. Or had witches in his life. Big queer witch. Ooh, maybe. Yeah? Oh, wow. Okay, that's a discussion for another time, perhaps. I will die on that hill. You will? uh, He did grow up. He grew up in a house with two different religions in it, Mm -hmm. which was very strange. Because the queen at that time was very much like, let's not talk about it. So instead of like openly persecuting one religion or the other, she was just like, let's just not talk about it. Uh, Because she didn't want to be like France. It was a whole thing. Anyway, he has a uh, lot of not work in his work. He has a lot of not work and he has a lot of witches. Yes, he does. And he has a lot of speaking truth to power, which is something that like main characters can't do, Mm -hmm. but that like the witches or the jesters or the help can do. Yeah. Um, And I think that he absolutely probably dabbled more than the average. You've got ghosts in your blood drink this potion about it. I think so, too. Even more than the, like, already weirdly mystical medicine of the time, he probably dabbled in spells. And we look back at it now and think that he was not very, he's not where we would like women to be right now. But think about the years he was writing and how progressive his women are written for his time period. I think he saw into the future that women would actually get to play them. But he got away with a lot, and he wrote a lot of really strong women. You can say what you will, but I think for his time period, he did a really great job. You also found not magic in really unexpected places. Like, Joan of Arc was not a witch, did not claim to be a witch, but I did a ton of research on her, and there was a lot of not magic in her life and in her time period. Mm. I directed the show January right before the pandemic and George Bernard Shaw's version. And I did a ton of research on this woman who I knew a little bit about before I did the research. And I found references to not magic in her life. Now, let me be very clear. Joan really felt 
that she was spoken to by angels, but so do a lot of witches. She did not have any association in her mind to witchcraft. But not work and other works that we consider magic. It was very much the magic of the people as well, of of common people, as well as highborn people, even if they were hiding it from the church. I mean, they had to hide science as well. Okay, I'll try to stop now. It's awesome in that way, I think, too, because it requires so little. Oh, like you could be, yes? Albrecht, Albrecht Durer's. <laughs> Albrecht Durer's, him. 1471 to 1528. He's the guy who made these six wood plates that depict a lot of knot magic. And the fourth knot is the one that if you look at it, you'll see the witch is not in there a couple, repeated a couple of times. But when I saw his work, as well as the witch is not, which I doodled all the time, I have doodle after doodle. I don't know what you call them. There, There's a circle and then there's a little offshoot of the picture, the main circle, and it's like a spade. And within that spade, he does all these uh, these knots, and that was my doodle growing up. Uh, uh, like, yeah, see the see the things that are off to the side. The fourth, yeah, yeah. the fourth plate, the fourth wooden plate. Mm-hmm. That's oh, hey, yeah. look. And I will post pictures. Yeah, of these. and I can go back. And I'm sorry, my chair is squeaking so much. Oh, oh, I know goodness. it's awful. I just, I just probably made really gross mouth noises eating caramel <laughs> out of a jar. So, which you won't hear. Sorry, because I'll just go. um i will make sure that those pictures are posted with that'd be great so that's the history which i'll probably have to cut down listen (laughs) it's fascinating and if y'all are anything like me you've been on the edge of your seat this whole time i don't know what i don't know about you but i think it's awesome to listen to somebody gush about something they're passionate about i love it So. so much so now Let's talk about how we use it. So you don't do not yeah. magic yet. Is that right? I do. <gasps> what do you do? Tell me Tell me what I you do. do. I do macrame. I do macrame and crocheting and knitting. And also, I would like to take this to another continent, okay. to an older time, yeah. if that's Please. all right. If you're a yoga practitioner oh, yeah. or you've studied yogic philosophy or a yoga teacher or somebody who studies yoga philosophy... You know what a mala is? Now, a mala is a, it's not a necklace. A lot of people like to wear them as necklaces. I often will wear one under my clothes because they're often made of crystals or stones that I find buoying or empowering or grounding or whatever. But they are technically, they're used for meditation. And they have 108 or 54 beads, as well as a guru bead. Uh, which is the big bead at the bottom. It looks a lot like a rosary because it serves a similar purpose. Now, the reason it has 108 beads, mm, hold on one second. It has a it has a knot in between each bead. And I have made some in my time because as I've said before on this podcast, nothing is great for churning out a bunch of projects like having anxiety. So when I'm having a really bad anxious spell, I will do I will craft malas because it helps calm me down and channel my energy. But after each bead, you hand tie a little knot. And it's just a simple over-under knot, one knot, in between each bead. And each bead corresponds to a letter of the Sanskrit alphabet. And there are 54 letters, each with two sides, which is why there are 108 beads. And you use these to find a trance-like state in your chanting. So say you're trying to chant for one of your chakras and the seed chant is Ram, right? You would chant the word or the sound Ram on a breath to a bead, and then you would move on to the next bead and you'd do it again. But the thing about the beads is that it means that you don't have to count. So you can focus all your mental energy on your intention. I didn't know that was not magic when I started doing it because I started doing it a long time ago, like more years than I knew about not magic. So I have <laughs> I have just a bunch of malas <laughs> that probably need a home, but there we are, that I crafted um, as a meditation. I also like to do macrame. I like to make macrame plant hangers, partly because I'm running out of surface area for my plants <laughs> and partly because 
I don't know, they're like a little spell for the plant that says, you know, like, be well and thrive and grow and stuff. I like to make my new my new goal that I want to do. I've learned something in the research I did. It's called a a chain sinnet, which is basically I looked at how to make it. It's basically like a crochet chain, but made with your fingers worn as a bracelet. And it is for protection or love or prosperity or whatever you want it to be. Mm. Each time you tie the knot, you do your intention yeah. and then you wear it. I'm so excited about yeah, that. Yeah, I because I already crochet. There's tons of great stuff that you can do with knots and not magic. One of my, here's, here's another reason I suspect I was drawn to not magic as much as I was. It's really cheap, but if you have long hair, you can braid and unbraid your hair with, uh, for magic spells and you can braid it when you go out for the day, or you can braid a piece of your hair and then let it out. So here's the thing about not magic. So you can macrame it and you can leave it and it can just be permanent. And that magic is always stored in there. But a lot of times not magic is used. You put the intention into the not magic and then you release it. And that releases the energy of the spell. And that's when the spell manifests. So you can let a spell grow in your knot. You can start it on a new moon, let it grow until the full moon, and then release the energy. You can, as maybe I did this year, create one before a Mercury retrograde and do all your intent and let it sit and build. And when Mercury goes direct at the exact time that it goes direct, you can unleash and untie that knot and let all that energy just fling it wherever your intent decides that it should go. And I just, I love so much about it. You can have string, you can have shoelaces, if you still have shoelaces, which some people do. You can include things just like the witch's ladder. You can include feathers or charms or your own hair. Uh, be careful with that. Uh, <laughs> if you do, don't, be yeah, careful don't with leave that. it laying around. The monkey's Yes. Not I saw a really great application of that is to put a tiny charm mm -hmm. or a bead or whatever. My very morbid self was like a tooth. Yeah. Uh, in the middle. But it's true. People <laughs> use bones. Like, yeah. yeah. You basically you tie the monkey's fist around that charm and then you can give that to the person. And then that person um, has a protective charm yeah. with them because the the rope of the fist is is holding them and making yeah. them safe. And here's the other thing I really love about it. You can make jewelry. You can draw and put it in paintings or behind paintings. If you are a witch that's still in the closet, not magic is some of the most powerful magic you can use anyway, but nobody will ever know if you need to... No yeah, especially if you're into Celtic knots because... That stuff is trendy is right popular. now, right? It's really trendy, yeah. which I definitely have feelings about, but it serves us in this case. Yeah. And you can wear necklaces and <laughs> bracelets and... I came up with Boondock yeah. Saints. I, yeah. know. <laughs> I know how trendy that ish is. So, you know, and again, uh, cultural appropriation. Yeah, don't do it. Just be respectful. You know, you, be respectful. if you've listened to our podcast, you know that we believe in doing the work. Yeah. I would never say that my malas are authentic malas. I would say they are malas that I have made. They are beaded meditation. Yeah. Strings. Like they are, I, I'm not trying to come out here and say like, <laughs> these are the thing. Yeah. They are a thing that I have taken close to my heart as a thing that I do. Yeah. But. I would never be like, this is how it's done. <laughs> like, this is how I learned. Yeah. To do this yeah. thing. And so now this is how I do it. But always just be careful. So since do yeah, the work. Do the work. Always do the work and be respectful. Always do the work. And it's and this is definitely Celtic I feel really confident in because it's where my people are from. And I know it was yeah. a couple generations ago, but well, not too many generations ago. My great 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 grandmother came over from Ireland. My great great. I'm gonna go one step further. And I'm going to talk just a touch about not magic and snakes. Yes, let's just do it. Talk to bit. me about snakes. 
I hecking love snakes. I actually, in 2017, wrote a one-woman show called The Lady and the Snake that's very autobiographical. I performed it at the Fringe <laughs> Festival. I did 20 minutes of it. I'm creating it. What? Yeah, and I'm doing a longer version of it and writing a longer version of it that I think is going to be a podcast, actually, a narrative if podcast. you need somebody to edit it, I really okay. love doing that. <laughs> when I was two and a half, three years old, I was in my bedroom in the South. I was growing up in a place called Houses Creek, Missouri. We didn't have running water in our house, so we had what's called a jiffy, which is an outhouse, and the bathtub was in my room, and we would carry water from the kitchen sink, which is the only place that water ran in, or from the well. We'd bring it in from the well, and now I do sound ancient, don't I? I'm not. I'm not. I'm just barely into my 50s. But It's not that long ago that very rural places in this country... Still operate yeah. that way. And so we were one of those. And we had had bath night the night before. And the way you get the water out of that is you put a hose into the bathtub and you siphon to get it started. And you leave it out overnight and it drains into the field. Like siphoning yeah, a gas tank. exactly. <laughs> Which is what? illegal, yeah, kids. Don't, don't do, do that. that. What are you talking about? Not only that, it's health, health risk. So my mom heard me laughing and she walked in and I had a rattlesnake. Wrapped around my arm uh, four or five times, and I was kissing it, and it was kissing me, and there was no noise or anything like that. It wasn't rattling. It was not rattling. I was petting it and playing with it until my mom walked in, and then it started rattling. And my mom, bless her heart, (laughs) stayed stayed calm. And instead of freaking out like I would have if I'd walked in on my kid doing something like that, she was like, oh, honey, what a cute new friend you've made. Why don't you put him down? No, that's okay. It's like, you know, Tippy, my new puppy who was in the other room, Tippy get really jealous if you saw if he saw you playing with that snake. Why don't you just put him down and come on in? And so I unwrapped the snake who was rattling at this point and left it in the bathtub and went out to play with my puppy. And that is how my mother saved my life. But that is to say... I had many encounters with snakes in my young life, and I'm really drawn to them, and they are obviously really drawn to me. And I'd probably be really stupid right now as since I haven't had an encounter with one and try to go up to one, and I would be bitten. But the association between not magic and snakes is huge, and you can see that in our medical staff. Um, the I always pronounce it wrong. Cardassian? Car- Card- is that? Cardassian. <laughs> is that what it's called? Yeah, yes. the C word. The other C word. <laughs> Not that C My word. My favorite curse. The C word. <laughs> so. Not on this show, yeah. Detta. And they're really associated with that along with the sacred geometry all have to do with not magic. And Kundalini who knows? As well. Maybe Maybe we'll just keep doing episodes spattered here and there about not magic. We but should. I want to put that snake and not magic into your head so you can go and investigate it on your own. Yeah, of course. And if you would like to see my favorite media representation of snakes and knots, go ahead and watch a little film you might have heard of called The Never-Ending Story. Oh, right. Oh, I'd forgotten that. The the Ouroboros, or the Ouroboros, Mm -hmm. is what I used to call it because I had only ever seen it written (laughs) down. (laughs) And I think Ouroboros sounds cooler. Anyway, uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Ouroboros, which is the snake tied in a knot eating its mm-hmm. tail that goes on forever and ever and ever, yep, is so cool yeah. and has a lot of history. And then there's also, isn't there a North, Norse mythology mm-hmm. about the giant mm-hmm. snake eating mm-hmm. its tail? Mm-hmm. There is. It's like a there's whole thing. There's so much. This is so ingrained in our subconscious psyche, everyone. It's just, folks, check it out. Which is why, which is why I didn't think... To even think yeah. about the history of knots because it's so ingrained it in our lives that, like, I just assume yeah. there's tying knots. the knot. There's so much history. To <laughs> I know. Knots. Let's let's oh tie, God, the, tie knot. the knot. Yeah, and I will also say I shouted out Deborah Harkness' books a couple of weeks ago, and I will just mention again her third book. I was just I started listening and got to the very first. Oberus, the snake eating its tail. It's part of their crest and their shield. She she talks about an Ouroboros. She brings back a fire drake. She does not magic. And she does one, which, if it's okay, we will leave you with today, that is ancient. It is back from 400, and I think the first time you can find it in literature is 496. 
but I might be incorrect on that. And it's the knot of nine spell. And I use it all the time. There's a generic version of it. I rewrite mine now. I rarely use the one that you can find published everywhere right now, but there's nothing wrong with that one. Let me walk you through what it is. It's nine knots that you tie into whatever string you want. You choose a color. You choose an intention or you choose several intentions if you want. There are different orders, different sequences in the way you tie the knots. There are different patterns. We'll post some of those examples. I designed one at the beginning of summer to protect our BIPOC protesters and people in the Seattle area and roped in a couple of other witches to help me out with that. And it's not one that I will untie uh, because I want it to be permanent and you need to bury it and put it someplace that's really safe um, or burn it. You can do that as well. And that is another way to make the magic permanent. Uh, but it's a you can design a lot of spells around the nine knot. And different spells have different meanings for what each knot means. Like any spell, you need to design the different color correspondences, astrological correspondences. In this first example, the very first knot is intent, what your purpose is in the binding of the energy. The second one determines the type of binding that's to be done. And the third is if it is meant to be released, then you comment on that. And this can easily be accomplished by marking a mark or tying a string to one end that you know where that one is so that you know to release that one and only that one because you're not always tying these in order. If you're doing a permanent binding, there should be nothing to distinguish one end from the other. I call this, and I did not get this from Deborah Harksness, but it is in Deborah Harksness. I call it the 10th knot. I thought I made it up, but obviously I didn't because she references it. And I tie it into a circle, and that's the 10th knot is the the ends together that I'm tying together. So the first three that I read is just the beginning of one design for the nine knot spell. Here is the next one, and I'll go through all nine of these. One is unity, wholeness, healing. Two is duality. Three is creativity. Four is foundation. Five is expansion. Six is love. Seven is limitation. Eight is disillusion. Nine, three times. Three is the number of the goddess. That's what it supposedly represents. That is one version of that as well. So I just gave you half of one version. This is a different one. And if it's okay with Corey, I'll keep talking just a little bit more, and then I promise I'll let her talk. (laughs) Honestly, we're tired of my (laughs) voice. No, we're not. I love your voice. I get tired of. Yeah. Anyway, we're not going to self-deprecate here. We're not self-deprecating. So, this is the one, and this is the one that shows up in Deborah Harkness's one, and uh, she doesn't. um, I actually, I don't know if this is the exact one. Uh, But this is one that is a generic version of the nine-knot spell. By knot of one, the spell's begun. By knot of two, it cometh true. By knot of three, thus shall it be. By knot of four, tis strengthened more. By knot of five, so may it thrive. By knot of six, the spell we fix. By knot of seven, the stars of heaven. By knot of eight, the hand of fate. By knot of nine, the thing is mine. You can find this in a woman named Pixie Zanara, who has it on her website. You can also find it in a book that is incredibly well-researched, but talks about the prejudice of the time. And I think it's in Chapter 9, Magic and Witchcraft in the West. And that is where I first saw it. It's a really great book. I don't know if that's where I first saw it, but that is one of the places that I saw it in lore as far as But let me tell you... I wasn't even looking for it, and I found it all kinds of places. Yeah, it is everywhere now. It's everywhere now. And if writing writing spells stresses you out, use that one and, like, build on it over time. Yeah, it's a really great foundation. You don't have to recreate the wheel every time you do a spell. I agree. You don't. Wow, we've talked a lot today. Thank you. I'm going to have to (laughs) edit the heck out of this. We just have so much we want to say. Yeah. Well, but 
since we've said all we've said about knots, and we'll probably revisit this topic again in the future more, with more specificity, uh, do you have any sparks you want to yeah, send up? Yeah, let's send up some sparks. <laughs> what about, what's your spark this week, Dada? My spark this week is the Triple Goddess Coven out in, I want to say Bremerton, Washington. Truly, yeah, I think really? that's right. I believe that is where that's they are. That's very near my hometown. Is that very near your hometown? Yes. They have some wonderful stuff online that they do performative rituals. They also have private rituals. But they're, they perform, like they have a video that's for Mabon, the autumnal equinox, uh, that they filmed. And I happen to know one of the people that works there. You can follow her on Instagram, Carly Smashes Ivory. She is a beautiful composer, and she's about to release some music from their Samhain celebration. So I will link her website so you can download that music or buy the CD. And I just love her music so very much. And she does a lot (laughs) of ceremonial and ritual music. And I just love it. That's who I'm shouting out. Triple Goddess Coven and Carly. Love it. Uh, My spark this week is a sort of self-promotion, but not really. Um, I'm all about self-promotion. Go, go, go. (laughs) I teach yoga once a week. I used to teach every day with my full-time job. Thanks, Rona. Um, (laughs) And... I teach on Sundays. I teach a sort of slow flow and yin yoga class um, on Sunday evenings, which is like not the important part of this. The important part of this is the studio I teach for is totally virtual. It's called Frankie Flows, spelled F-R-A-N-K-E, Flows. I will make sure that we shout them out on Insta. But it was started by my friend Hannah Frankie. And... There are classes every day of the week, one class every day. Um, it's really, really affordable because, uh, like, she knows that people are broke and unemployed and stuck at home right now. And the reason I want to shout her out is I've been teaching there for the whole quarantine, basically. Mm. So, like, this is not a new development, but I want to shout her out because she's doing so many good things with this community and with this like format and and platform every time something happens in the world (laughs) that affects all of us at large she responds and takes steps to ensure that people have a place to feel calm or to sweat it out if they need to or to meditate or whatever they need and to do that in whatever way you can and I know for a fact that being a part of that has like really saved me this quarantine because I used to move my body a lot every day and now I don't and as a person with (laughs) mild to moderate body dysmorphia it's been a really hard quarantine for me Um, and to have that grounding community space has been a tether yeah and i love following her stuff she's great oh yeah follow her stuff like i love i want to shout her out because i love hannah very much but i also want to shout her out because i think that what she's doing is important i think she's really good for the world i follow her on instagram and i love her instagram so much so much yeah and there's a lot of there's a lot of white women in the yoga space, and I recognize that. I think that the way that Hannah approaches that issue is just really good. And I think that, I just think that she's really good, and she's really good for the world, and I think that she's really good for this community, and I just love her a lot and want to shout her out. So if you're looking to take some yoga classes or unwind or whatever, it's on ClassPass now, which is pretty dope. Um, studio's called Frankie Flows, and we'll make sure we shout her out on the Insta and in the show notes. That sounds great. Well, yeah. everybody, thank you so much for listening. We are super excited to really jump into December. 
I don't know. Maybe we'll start talking about some Yuli things. (gasps) But until that time, be well. Harm none. And don't forget, you are magic. Hey, folks, thanks for listening. And if you liked it, please don't forget to rate and review us if you're on Apple and like us if you're on Spotify. And if you're so inclined, please tell your friends because we would love to have them along for the fun as well. Don't forget to leave that review because that really helps other people find this podcast. We also love it when you ask us questions. So please feel free to reach out to our Gmail, bonfirebabblepodcast at gmail.com. Or our Facebook at Bonfire Babble. Or our Instagram at Bonfire Babble. Or Twitter at Bonfire Babble. I think Twitter is Bonfire Babble Podcast. <laughs> what? Go figure. I don't know. So yeah, reach out and find us there. And thanks again for listening. Bonfire Babble Podcast recognizes that we live and record on the traditional lands of the Duwamish tribe. We honor their past and present stewardship of this beautiful land and the life-giving energy they provide. To learn more about the Duwamish people and real rent, please see the links below.